Hello and welcome to the 226. This is John. And this is John. Today we are talking about motivation. That's right. Yeah, very interesting topic, I feel, because it's kind of elusive in my mind. Yeah, especially getting motivated to choose a topic was especially difficult this week. Yeah, so at the end of the uh, podcast last week, we decided to have a meeting about what we would podcast about next. And we had that meeting, correct? Yeah, and then we had like three or four subsequent meetings of about five minutes in length each. Mm -hmm. And nothing happened, like nothing got done. So eventually, what was it? Not too long ago, we just kind of looked through the list again and it was like, just just pick one. (laughs) We we found motivation and it's, uh, again, it's very broad. Um, But I think it goes well with the theme of this podcast, which is to um, learn and grow through conversation. Yeah, I, I love, like the podcast is one of my favorite things because I learn and grow, I feel, every time we talk. And maybe you, the listener, hopefully get the same feeling. Oh, for sure. But just having conversation always helps learning and growth. Yeah, like picking up another person's perspective is is always good because mm-hmm. it, it opens you up to things that you might not have been aware of. Yeah. And then at the same time, like learning to pick up on other people's perspectives is another good habit to have like on a, on a meta level, I suppose. So. Yeah, totally. It just helps you learn better and makes you less self-centered in my mind. Kind of yeah. humbles you. At it least does. it does for me. Yes. Yeah. Always. All right. So first thing I've got down here, where does it come from? Motivation. Motivation. Where does it come from? Oh. I, I believe this is a different answer for every single person and maybe a different answer depending on the hour in the day, honestly. Um, yeah, like for like for me, motivation for the things I want to do just kind of comes within. You can talk about like intrinsic, extrinsic motivation, like intrinsic being you do something because you want to, because you know it in yourself that you should do it and you want to do it. Extrinsic being you get a reward. So say that's candy or an A on a paper or something like that. Both extrinsic rewards or like uh, car people. Uh, car salesman get a commission extrinsic motivation to sell a better car to someone so they can make more money and therefore helping the company also yeah so like do i am i doing this because i i want to personally or because of the ancillary benefits that i might get yeah yeah exactly and uh, it's honestly just a well-known and well-researched topic that intrinsic motivation will lead you further um, and extrinsic will fail at a certain point Exactly. And we, we learn these things, or at least you and I learn these things mm-hmm. through uh, our education background. Yeah. But I think it applies to almost every aspect of life where you are interacting with other people who have goals yeah. to achieve. So if you're in a workplace, uh, the manager-employee relationship is just as important. Um, as a coach, that's important for me. Like, mm-hmm. How motivated are my athletes? Some of my athletes are there for reasons completely different than others. Mm-hmm. I have some who are like, national caliber athletes and i have others who are there mostly for the the community that our team provides so yeah being able to recognize that people will have different motivations for the same task that they're going about is something uh that's worth at least being aware of yeah especially as you lead a group say yes like as a coach um as a teacher it's super important too because you want to aspire to have intrinsically motivated students all the time because mm-hmm. that means your students are just learning. It, wouldn't that be such a perfect to. world? Oh, it would be wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. 
like I wouldn't need to be there really. Yeah. You guys are all intrinsically motivated. You yeah. have the tools at your disposal. I can just, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to be in the back seat. like take the wheel. Like, yeah. Let's go somewhere in my journal. I'm I've written down, um, that I want to work myself out of a job when I'm a teacher someday. Um, like, so give them all the tools they need. So teach them the tools, not the, don't teach the process or teach the process. Don't teach the product and then give them the tools and hopefully reflect such a passion and motivation within myself that that's reflected upon students and they're motivated to go out and learn by themselves. Exactly. Which is just, I, that's really cool to see. I've had a couple moments where it's just like, wow, okay, you surprised me with how much you wanted to learn and what you did for yeah. like a set assignment and just as such an amazing thing. And I mean, while we're on this tangent, it's just, isn't that the goal for like any student or for any teacher yeah. for their students? is to like take the things that they're interested in and excited about things that they are already intrinsically motivated for and mm-hmm. just like push them in that direction or not push them, but like let them drag you in that direction Yeah, because they will, they will go. And I've always been surprised by uh, the, the students that I've, I mean, it's been a while now mm-hmm. from student teaching, but yeah. um, when I had a student who was passionate about something, it showed. Yeah. It always does. I don't know if I've told this story before, but like I was in clinical, which is just a one once a week thing. And there was a, a kid in our math class. It was just the math classes that I did. Yeah. And he was not, uh, how should I say this? He was not mathematically oriented. Okay. He was just not, there just wasn't something that came naturally to him and he struggled with it a lot. Yeah. And I think he was maybe self-conscious about it a little bit. He was very quiet. Yeah. Um, I didn't speak up much. You'd want to like, and I understood that like that kind of person doesn't want to be called on in class. So I, I wouldn't call on him, mm-hmm. but in, instead I would like wait for like group work to go around and then I'd like go over great time and make sure to like great. make, yeah. make time to go over towards his direction and see if he had any questions that he might be more comfortable totally asking or answering uh, my questions uh, in that, in that time. But math was just not his, strong suit and he was you know grades were struggling i was only there once a week so i only yeah. got to like kind of see his progress and then there was one week towards the end of the semester and i had to pick up all of the uh students for the class um from their music instructor it was like all the way down the school and mm-hmm. like there was after their lunch break and so i get there a little bit early and i guess one of their assignments was to like draw a musical instrument that they had made up on their own so oh. they'd like gotten through all the musical instruments and they're like so just make your own, like create one. I was oh, like, okay, that's pretty interesting. That's not the the worst assignment I've yeah, heard of for like yeah. a like. There are worse music pre- assignments. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I've heard worst worst music assignments. Yeah. Excuse me. So, he, they were all drawing their pictures, and everyone almost had something that was like already existed. It was like a harp with like an extra string on it or something. It was oh, like a trumpet yeah. with four vowels. It's like I play one of those. Okay. Yeah. This kid that that was like you never would have assumed that he would have been. Like he wasn't gifted in math. He was like struggling. He was slow. He was quiet. And he was like the most gifted artist I've ever seen in my life. He was just super passionate about art and making these like incredible drawings. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially when you compare to like his grade, yeah, the things that other people were, were coming up with. And he was making like, there was like a harpsichord and uh, like a, I don't know, some sort of like trombone French horn with strings in the middle and there was like an, another thing sticking. It was like a one man band thing. Oh, and cool. he had like, he had made it and he could tell me everything about it. And it was like, 
there, it wasn't much, but there's this little tiny like sparkle in his eye. And I think that's, that kind of gives it away when you're yeah. intrinsically motivated. You can like, you see it in their eyes. Yeah. It's and the, the eyes light up topic. Exactly. So for the like next couple of weeks that I was with him, I just tried to like use his understanding of drawing and just try to like, all right, well, I I know you don't understand this problem with like, uh, the numbers are kind of confusing to you, but if you can draw for me how the diameter of a circle is related to its circumference or something like yeah, that, or whatever we were yeah. talking about, and then he would be able to draw it, and he was able to actually like understand it through that, which I thought was so cool. Yeah, totally. Because like you wouldn't have with thought numbers, to teach that, yeah, right? exactly. And if I didn't know what motivated him or what drove him, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to pick up on that. And I don't want to like take credit for his his learning, but I think it's important to try to recognize where people are naturally tended to go and Mm -hmm. kind of like let them go that way or facilitate them in that direction. Yeah. I fully believe that everyone has that eyes light up topic or that passion that they are so vehemently, I can't say that word, but they're so passionate about it and which only increases their intrinsic motivation to do something. Yes. So for him, it was art. I think the best teachers figured out what their passion was and then teach it and therefore like you see their passion every single day yeah and it just rubs off on you like where does motivation come from it can come from like someone you're just looking at because they're so excited about it. you can see it in their eyes and mm-hmm. just look and like oh okay okay so i'm gonna do this and this and i'm gonna rearrange my schedule to fit this class in and all yeah. sorts of stuff and all of a sudden like it for me motivation comes from a lot of people because mm-hmm. like i see that and if someone is passionate about something i want to get behind that I want to help them. I want to be there. I want to like get on that train and just ride it as long as they're willing to take it. That's interesting because I I mean, surprise, I'm completely different. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Theme of the podcast. I think that's an interesting, uh, like an interesting perspective that you like, you see someone motivated and that gives you motivation. Yeah. And it's like, all right, let's coattail it. Let's go. Uh-huh, <laughs> and, uh-huh. and wherever, whatever happens, it's like the the thrill of the moment almost. Yeah. Whereas for me, it's more like if I see someone excited about something, mm-hmm. it doesn't really motivate me per se. It just, it's like, I don't know. It just opens my eyes to like a direction that they could go. I mean, and that's a very broad statement. Okay. So I don't know like what the context it would be, but like in a teaching standpoint, like if someone's super motivated for something, it's not like this, like go home and write mom mom about it. But it's uh, it's just another tool that I have. Okay. So I guess that's how, that's that's my approach. Just like the more you know about the motivation of your students or your athletes or your coworkers, it the the better. Yeah, totally. In a business world, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam and Nico, uh, the two guys who run the quarter digital channel on youtube oh yeah uh super cool guys i watched their like behind the scenes vlog like show quite regularly um and nico will talk about how he motivates his employees because they've grown their youtube channel to have like maybe 12 employees now or something and they're always mm-hmm. bringing in other people and um some employee just uh wasn't getting things done on time or wasn't quite good enough and such and he talked about you can either just go after them and say like this isn't good enough you have to be better or like you can figure out what's motivating them or what's happening meet them there and then say okay well if you can do this by such and such a time it'll help or 
just meeting somewhere where their motivation is, I think is very important. And like for bosses to realize that in the business world is so important because one, your employees are going to respect you so much more. Definitely. And they're going to go out of their way to do what's good for the business. Not because maybe because they want to then because they like see your passion and willingness to help them, but Mm -hmm. they just see it for the good of the whole instead of, Oh, I have to do this because it's my job. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, That's almost, uh, I mean, if we're on that, on that path, that's kind of what my thesis was about Mm -hmm. is that when a teacher demonstrates their understanding or their belief in the proficiency of their students, that in turn reflects how the students think about themselves. Yeah. So there's that reciprocal Mm -hmm. nature. Like what I think about you will change the way you think about you in some, some way. Oh, incredibly. Yes. I've seen that at work in classrooms. Yeah. That that's a symbolic interactionism. That's what it's called. It's just the, like we all draw meaning from these things and Mm -hmm. the way that we view ourselves is determined by the way we see other people viewing us. So like the looking glass self idea. Um, which is super fun and super interesting, yeah. but I don't want to talk about my thesis too much because okay. at some point I want to read it. I, I, I want it to die. It's it's good. It's it's done. I'm okay. still revising it, trying to publish it, and it's just a let's just not talk about it for for now. <laughs> All right, that's totally fine. Um, yeah. What like, else do you have? I got another question. How do you get it? So we kind of talked about where does it come from. Went on a bunch of tangents, but how do you get motivation? Say you are completely burned out just ready to be done. I've seen teachers get to this point. You can tell when bosses get to this point because it's when the business tanks. It's Yes. You can tell like when a film director is burnt out or something because the film doesn't turn out as well or the actors aren't doing as well, like stuff like that. Um, so how do you get motivation when you are at your darkest place? See, this is an interesting topic because I. it's like getting motivation, at least for me, is mm-hmm. not like, waking up and picking a book up off the shelf. It's not like I can just automatically make it happen. Agreed. I can't either. I think um, what is important is to realize how to facilitate being motivated. So wherever that creative beast is that is inside your head, Mm -hmm. know what that thing craves and works well under, and then just try to make the situation you're in as habitable as possible for that thing. Yeah. And then that will usually let it take over. And I think speaking about burnout, it's important to recognize where that point is because that's like a, maybe not so clear, but it's definitely mm-hmm. a line in the sand yeah. that you can say, okay, this person is burnt out and mm-hmm. they're not doing well. So being able to recognize, I mean, for that person being able to recognize I'm approaching this line, I kind of need to take a step back. Yeah, uh, I need to, not be working so hard maybe you're you're motivated so much that you just drive yourself into the ground yeah or maybe you just don't have the motivation because you've burned out or you just you just lost that spark or whatever it is yeah so i think being able to like take a step back and relax is like it's important but i also think it's a skill it's a skill you have to learn how to yeah my first couple years in college most of college i did not have that skill at all like whatsoever i drove myself how to stop yeah yeah, so I mean, I'm, I struggle with that. Like my mind never stops. Yeah, it's always about going before. about something. Yeah, and I, I just kind of sometimes I let it go off task. I think that's what helps me stay not burned out. Mm-hmm. Is like when I find something new or exciting, mm-hmm. I just like, all right, 
there's the rabbit hole. Let's mm-hmm. see how far down it goes. Yeah. And then like two weeks later, like I emerge with a whole new body of like useless information. It's usually <laughs> it's, not useless. Okay. Give I, yourself I some credit, I, man. A little bit. But like, I mean, over Christmas break, it was, it was color science. Mm-hmm. So like understanding how the eye perceives color yeah. and then how color is represented, um, in like video or film or mm-hmm. any other like display format understanding gamuts and all these other like math equations and it was this whole like history lesson that turned into like math and science and it was uh not like a good topic for this podcast but <laughs> That's it was also super like interesting and exciting to me like i learned yeah. a ton of stuff about like how TVs reproduce only a certain amount of the the colors that we can perceive, yeah. but we don't notice that because our brains just kind of like fill in information. Yeah. Or how two things can look like the same color but actually have different reflectant properties. Mm-hmm. Like those things are really interesting to me, and I did not know them before, and now I do. Cool. <laughs> nice. And uh, yeah. So that's just one of the rabbit holes I yeah. went down. And did I have other stuff that I wanted to do over Christmas break? Oh, you bet. Like I had a ton <laughs> of things. Yep. But I knew that after that semester, I was kind of burning out. I was yep. getting really tired after the cross country season had been done. And mm-hmm. I was just like, all right, like this is where you want to go. Let's just, let's make it happen. Yeah. Backing up to an analogy you used, you said it's not a book. Motivation isn't a book you can just take off the shelf. It's a place you go to, basically. Um, so I really think people need to figure out where that place is or what that place is. What does it look like? Like, yeah. what does your motivation area look like? And how can you more easily get there every single day? Mm-hmm. You know, you won't be there every single day. It's like if you leave home for a vacation or something. Like, and it's okay, you'll get back. But maybe you're stuck on a project or something. Um, you just got to find how to get to your motivation place. Yeah. And then I think a big part of that also is just changing things up. Like you can't be doing the same thing over and over and over again in the same place by the same means. It's the whole Einstein, like you're actually going to go crazy because that's insanity. I suppose. What do you mean by the same thing? Like I see this in teachers a lot actually, because a lot of teachers in my mind are, they're so gung ho about education and it's really awesome, but they don't know how to shut off. So they're, Same. yeah, <laughs> so they're gung ho about teaching and education from the moment they get up, when they get to school, during the school day, awesome, then get home, but they're still teachers at home, you know? Yeah. Or maybe it's the boss who is always like ornery at home because he always has work on the mind. Um, I just read about this story of someone who, um, he was like a plumber or something. And when he walked home from his truck every day, he would touch a tree before he went inside and someone was walking with him and just noticed it. And then they went inside and like it had a great time, but he had had a terrible day. So the person asked him, he's like, why did you touch the tree outside? It's like, Oh, that's my trouble tree. I just hang everything there. Interesting. So because he saw, he saw that his troubles at work didn't need to be at home at all. And that if they were, that would not only ruin his motivation to go to work the next day, but also, like, his family doesn't deserve that. Yeah. Like, that's no, it's no place for that. Um, so then the next day, he just leaves the house on his way to work, hits the tree, picks up his troubles again. But this time, they seem a little bit lighter because, well, he forgot about some of them, and that's totally okay. And you're able to come become more at peace with it, I think. When you, 
it's just like a physical thing. Yeah, that you I can like do. that though. That's interesting. Like, you, yeah, you have some place in between your work life and your home life where you can, like, metaphorically, psychologically, and almost physically just remove those burdens. Yeah, and become the person that you need to be for your family or for your, you know, health. I don't know. Whatever, yeah, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, because like your motivation can exist in both those places oh, and it, it totally will if you're intrinsically motivated to do something and do good and change the world and all that that's great it's going to exist but with that you're obviously going to run into hard times yeah and you might be super motivated to get through that but finding that i think this helps the burnt out part of it too yeah. like finding that time when you say okay tomorrow we pick it up or something like that yeah and uh i think it really in education it hurts the teacher because they're like so sick of telling seventh graders that that is not a funny joke. You're not funny and just stop and learn. But like, yeah. there's a, the other way to go about it. And then you like learn your students education and such, Yeah, which is much more important. And did I say education, students motivation? That's what I meant to say. But yeah, yeah. so just, I was getting at this from finding your place of motivation and maybe it's, not finding what to add to the place or finding mm-hmm. where it is, but finding where it's not. Mm-hmm. And maybe your motivation for work isn't at home. Maybe it is. That'd be really cool if your home life got you super excited about work. Maybe, like, I hope so. Like, that's, yeah. if I, my, that's what I want my home to be like. Yeah, like, like, I want to wake up and literally be right at home yeah. doing whatever thing that I would be interested in. Yeah, I'm getting like a taste of that right now. Yeah. Because like I basically work and edit all the time here. Yeah. Which is great. And then you just go out and have shoots and such. But yeah. So it's this curious thing. And maybe you have to find what you shouldn't have in your motivation area. Yeah. Sometimes you learn by what not to do. Yes. And that's an important part. Like, I mean, we talked about that as the, what, in our learning episode a few, yeah. a few times ago. It's yep. like failure is the most important teacher almost. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times. Like, but the key is that you learn from it. So mm-hmm. I like that idea that. Uh, you find a place for your motivation as if it's like this person. Yeah. Actually, the, there's a, a book by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. It's called On Writing. Only book I've ever read by him, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I want to get to more of his his stories. But He's a horror one, writer, right? Yes. So okay. he did it. He also did like The Dark Tower. I think he wrote The Shining. And then yes. Stanley Kubrick made a movie out of it. Yeah. So uh, very, very uh, talented author. Yes. And the only book I've read by him is his book about how he writes. Mm -hmm. And there are two things that I think that I remember from this book, at least, that pertain to this motivation idea. And the first is just a little anecdote about um, an author that he had, uh, I think, read a few things from or he heard a backstory or like some myth about how this author, like his process, the way he got motivated mm-hmm. was like he just sat down in his typewriter at 9 a.m every day and just typed away and he would type and type and type until i don't know 11 11 a.m or 12 for like two or three hours and yeah. literally if if the timer goes off and he's in the middle of a sentence he just stops oh wow he just he doesn't finish it he just like but that's his time like he says three hours i will do this Wow. And that's his place. That's his. That's his method. Hmm. So I th- I, it might have been a different different author, but it very well could have been the same. They're, they're like, so do you like get motivated every day, or how do you do this? And he's like, um, well, I do get motivated 
every day, but thankfully it happens at, at nine in the morning every day. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Or, yeah. Oh no, no, no. The, the question was, he says, or no, let me rephrase this. So someone came up and asked him, do you only write when you're in like a creative mood or like oh, motivated to write? And okay. he says, well, yeah, but thankfully I'm motivated to write at 9am every morning. Nice. So it was very, um, I don't know, that just kind of maybe not resonated with me because I'm not like that. It's very hard yeah. for me to like get into that place. But yeah, um, for this person, like that's what they, that's what they did and they forced themselves to do it. Yeah. I've heard that about composers too. Mm-hmm. Composers who will just go and write music for a couple hours. Yeah. And then come up for lunch and then go back down. And it's just a, the time constraint element of it is motivation in itself, I mm-hmm. think. Um, like, I do my quickest work when I'm under the gun to get it done. Yeah, that's. I Which felt is bad not about being a procrastinator in, in college, but that's when most of my best work happened when there was a deadline literally right in front of me yeah there's an excellent ted talk on procrastinators if you haven't there it is the ted talk the ted talk it comes up in every episode um but it kind of gets into the mind of a procrastinator and why they do it Mm -hmm. um and i was just listening to another podcast where uh someone who was like an anti-procrastinator kind of Mm -hmm. uh so you would get an assignment or something and then just do it right away interesting yeah but what's that like I have no idea, I guess. I do not do that. Um, so this was very interesting for me to listen to. And in doing that, he realized that the people who put it off, the procrastinators, were more creative. They got more ideas. They figured it out more. They uh, looked at things differently because they put it off. But he did research on this. And in doing that, he had to, well, excuse me. He had to procrastinate himself. Um, which he found very hard because this is just a guy who always mm-hmm. does things right away. And what he found was maybe procrastinating isn't just not thinking about it for forever, but rather before you do the work, you're thinking about it. You're mulling it over it your mind. Yeah, correct. So you're percolating it while. Um, the example he was using was the company Warby Parker um, because they came to him and said, hey, we want you to invest. And so the big investment opportunity and like Warby Parker, great eyeglasses company that sells eyeglasses online. Like they changed the face of that, really. I'm, I'm glad you said that because I did not know that before you said it. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured. Um, yeah, so uh, they came to him and like he was kind of leery about it because they didn't really have all their paperwork in line. And uh, the date for the launch of the company came and they didn't even have a website. Keep in mind, this is an online company where the website is the main thing. So he pulled himself out. He said, no, I'm not investing. Um, and he missed it. He missed the whole Warby Parker thing because they went on to create this amazing online experience for eyeglasses and like create all sorts of revenue. And this is where he discovered that the procrastinators really, uh, they have a creative spirit about them. Mm-hmm. And they also have to think differently because their motivation is under the gun for sure. But also they've been mulling it over in their mind the entire time whereas I mean, he I guess wasn't the more time that. you have to think about or perfect something the better it's going to be yeah so so they just kind of force that issue or procrastinators do because well i mean i'm personally not always motivated to just do something right away i'm like yeah. okay yeah it'll probably look like this i think and then like two days later it's completely different like i'm supposed to be building a desk 
like I want to be building a desk and yeah. it's been like a week and it's yeah. changed. How many trips oh. to Menards have we done? I think already? we're at five trips to Menards and haven't bought a thing. All right. Well, tomorrow it'll probably be six and I have something I need to get. So can we get it at a different store? <laughs> I think our, uh, our inside joke is that we're going to Menards as many times as we can without buying anything. Yes. And it's not because we don't like big savings or whatever. It's just because it's funny. <laughs> it really is. Maybe one of these times we'll get that 11% rebate at Menards. Yeah. Fit everything in the bag. I can't yeah, fit Yeah, but we'd have to buy to... something. Ah, shoot. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, rebates don't apply to things that you haven't purchased. Well, they should. That's my at least my understanding. Okay, well. But maybe we're procrastinating at Menards. We could start a business where rebates apply to things you haven't even bought yet. I think that's called a sale. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> called like giving away money. <laughs> the lottery. It's a big rebate. So I'm going to add philanthropist to my list of things that I do. And I'm going to add entrepreneur. Did I say that? I'm right? going to add broke to the list of things that I have. Hey, am. there we go. <laughs> We're doing oh, wait, it's already great. there. Okay. Oh, man. So the last question, the last point I have on here uh, comes from another TED Talk. I've talked about this before. But what is your why? Why do you do things? Why do you get up? Why do you... Like, this is a big question, and it's different for everybody. It's different from every company. Is this the TED Talk where he's like, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it? Simon Sinek, yes. Yes. He uses Apple as an example. Mm -hmm. Apple versus like HP. HP says, we make computers, buy them. But Apple says, we believe in challenging the status quo, and we just happen to make computers. So, like, it's it's the same with teachers. So, like, when a teacher is passionate about something, you understand their why. And they just happen to teach this certain subject. You get behind a person, you get behind a company, you understand their motivation, and then all of a sudden you're buying something or you're being educated. Like, like education is just a big transaction of things that people don't want to buy but are forced to by law. Interesting. I think that's a unfortunately the way education is because I don't think that's what it should be. No, correct. Yeah, especially yes. when you use like banking terms. Like, <laughs> yeah. Transaction it's, is not something that happens in the classroom. I promise. No. <laughs> it's not like kids are just no. like bank like piggy bank piggy banks waiting to get like coins <laughs> dropped in. No, it's not. That's not how education works. It's, but it's sad. But yeah, the main point is like, yeah, what is your why? What's the purpose for you doing everything you do? And I think that might change day to day. And that's the big question in marketing, isn't it? Like, why do you buy something? Yeah. Why do you really buy is. a certain something mm -hmm. and how do you motivate someone who doesn't give a crap about your product to buy it anyway didn't he have like a was it a graph was it a normal curve where he's like the first 18 percent are like the the go-getters like the first investors the early investors yeah. yeah and then he's got the next group or like the i don't know the not so early investors but yeah. still early and then yeah. there's like oh it's popular i gotta get it it's like the rest of the curve or yeah. something like yeah. that yeah and maybe there's a little bit at the tail end of people who just like, oh, I can't have that. Yeah, yeah I can't do it. It can't be that good. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder, because marketing is like its own, we could have probably a whole podcast on that. Oh, totally. And I haven't, I haven't watched much television lately, actually. Just this last weekend, there was a football game on. Mm -hmm. And I had seen none of the commercials that came on during the yeah. football game. Yeah, I, I watch had, only stream things, so I really don't see commercials I had anymore. Not seen a commercial, and of the ones that I saw, there were only a few where I like could tell you, oh, they were selling a car, 
And it's because it was like a local car company that literally just got like B-roll footage of a car rolling down the street with yeah. like voiceover. Yeah. But I, th- I think something that's really interesting, and we touched on it a little bit in my classwork mm-hmm. uh, for school, was just the like the psychology behind like why you would buy something or why yeah. you would purchase, like what motivates you to get something versus something else. Yeah. And for someone who is trying to sell something, understanding the psychology of the person that you're trying to sell to mm-hmm. uh, becomes very important then. Yeah. Because it increases your chances of getting that commission on that car. Yeah. So just leveling with them, especially if you have the opportunity of like a one-to-one interaction, it's yes. much easier to sell something than to sell to like a broad audience. Oh, yeah. If you can be with that that one person. Yeah. That's the difference between like a one-on-one conversation with a teacher and teaching an entire lecture to like a thousand students. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think both have their place. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. They serve different purposes. Yes. Yeah. Um, getting back into like the why, the motivation to get you to buy something. I Mm -hmm. think some insurance companies have incredible commercials because they don't talk about insurance until the very end. And like, they're selling you like a lifeline essentially. Mm-hmm. And some insurance companies, their commercials are like they they show a family or something and then something bad happens to the family. OK. Mm-hmm. And then like another little vignette of like a teenager driving their parents car and they get hit or something like yeah. that. And it's creating all these heartstrings and making you fall in love with these characters and realizing like, oh, this is why I need motivation. This is why I need insurance. Excuse mm-hmm. me, because like I want to protect these things. These are the things that are meaningful to me. And like, I want them to always be there. And this company can help because they understand that. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so powerfully, uh, uh, so excuse me. Wow. That is so powerful for an insurance company to realize Mm -hmm. that they're not just selling a piece of paper that you pay so much a month and that you'll get covered. Woohoo. I like, I want to know that company has my back if worse turns to worse and I need their help in an instant, you know? And like, I love watching those kinds of commercials. I, I really do. Do they tug at you a little bit? Uh, just a little bit. Tug at them heartstrings. The power of narrative. Yes. What is that? Is that a ethos? Is that what that is? It's playing to your emotions, I think. So ethos. Yeah. Yeah. That alliteration always helped me. I should brush up on those. Is what ethos, pathos, pathos. and logos? Or? Yes. Logos is logic. Yeah. You're... So that's saying, hey, you have a young child. You should have family insurance. Or yes, something that, like that makes sense. Yeah. I should do this. Yeah, got it. And e- I'm unfortunately that person. I think, really, at most times. It's and I'm definitely like, like an ethos uh, motivated person. That's yeah. why those commercials work on me. Yeah, and what was the other one? Patho- pa- no. Pathos. Pathos. Is that what is that? Rep- passion? Your passion to something? <sighs> I should look this up. Right yeah, now. I will write it down to look up. Unless you're going to look it up right now. I might now. do it. Is it, um, wow, that's a lot of, I should really know this because this is like, yeah, you have a communications master ethos, logos, pathos is, uh, yep. Persuasion. Oh, that's pathos, right? Yep. Yeah. So persuasion saying you can be argued into like all of these things are, Oh yeah. Are the ways you, you. Uh, persuade people correct artistic proofs um aristotle that's who it was ethos is the ethical appeal okay ethical emotions yeah, yeah. pathos is the emotional okay so that's what we got oh, confused and oh. logos is the appeal to logic okay so 
Yep. Oh, so the ethical appeal would it, be... That's like, we're good at what we do. That's why you should buy from us. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, there you go. And there we brushed up on something. Yeah, there we, we go. We learned, learned a little something bit. that we've already learned before, but seem to have forgotten. continue to mix those up. I remember <laughs> learning them for the first time. Pathos and... means pathy... Path... Uh, ethos is ethical though yes not emotional because that's what i wanted it to be but oh well it wasn't <laughs> it fits you <laughs> it it does i'm an emotional person I'm, yeah I, I we could talk about that in, in motivation like my emotions definitely motivate me and i think like my emotions try very very hard to motivate me but they i i am somehow stubborn and will not be deterred <laughs> from my uh um well, we just looked it up. Pathos, my uh, no, yes. pathos is emotion. Yes, logos, logos, my logos. Yeah, my logos is strong. Yeah, see, whereas like I earlier, like half an hour ago, came in. Okay, more than half hour ago, but I came in super passionate, super emotional about something I just witnessed, and like did not agree with any of it, and then like was literally pacing around the house trying not to do anything about it because mm-hmm. i knew my emotions were affecting me at that point yeah i'm sorry i couldn't like i i recognized this was happening and i just couldn't like get to that like no it's totally fine level i tried to like interact but i don't know that's that's something weird for me still it's like when i see someone in a very very emotional not necessarily disruptive but like yeah. emotional like very passionate very like when that is what's driving them it's i don't like, I don't want to, like, it's like a hot potato. Like, I don't want to touch it. Like, just let it, it'll cool down, I think. If it, if I, if I let it cool down. I cooled down in time for the podcast, yeah. so that's good. Yeah. But, um, but maybe. I was getting at how my emotions motivate me. Yeah, so exactly. It, like, at that given point, I was like, I need to do this and this and this and give an email to this person. Like, just change the world, essentially. But mm-hmm. it would not have been for the best. And my emotions were just running just super fast and so like like, this is my question as Mm -hmm. someone who does not have that or i mean i I do have emotions but they're not in the driver's seat correct and and they very rarely have the steering wheel what do you need in that situation because this is something that i that i struggle with because i don't know what that's like Mm -hmm. i know what it's like to like to feel something and it it definitely wants me to turn the wheel but there's that other guy that train of thought in the driver's seat that's mm-hmm. just like nope you know this is the way to go mm-hmm. and that's what that's what impacts my decision making yeah and so i don't know what someone who usually has emotions in their in their driver's seat what what do they need in that situation that's something that i'm not necessarily like that familiar with you just need someone to like be there to listen to, to essentially okay, yes yeah. that's what that's what i try to do yeah but you're I, good I'm at not, it. don't I'm worry about sure. it you're okay. fine yeah but like another instance similar to this happened like months ago and my dad just called me and he's like i called you so you can yell at me so essentially like i just needed to get all of this out because like okay. i was so emotionally charged and so passionate about this like i'm very convicted about what i believe in Mm-hmm. like i'm not going to let that down and that's when mm-hmm. the emotions come in and, and that's not that's a bad challenged. thing yeah yeah so honestly it's just like having a yelling board basically Sweet. something like that bounce it off yeah yeah and then if you yell back i'll be like oh well, yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah go <laughs> all right so and it makes me feel a little better because like 
I can very, very well like sit in a chair, just like listen to someone yeah. go off. Like yeah. that's like, it's not like I need you to get to the same emotional just, level and match it. Or yeah. I just no. like, okay. I, I didn't know like, I mean, maybe it's different in every situation, but for the most part, I just try to like listen. And then yeah. I, I think totally. or hope that that, that sometimes, works out the yeah, best. sometimes the most powerful thing I think like in that instance is like, if I would just, if I would to, wow, if I stopped talking or something, like there was just silence and you didn't say anything actually, that would be helpful. Cause then it forces me to think because like in that moment, I'm probably not thinking exactly about what I'm saying. I'm probably thinking about like two words ahead, maybe. But I probably shouldn't say like, John, shut up. Yeah, that would suck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, we, my, we understand this the, about each the, other. The logical part of my brain was like, maybe that would not be a good thing to say right now. <laughs> Your logical part is right. <laughs> Actually, I think the, the difference between what motivates your actions mm-hmm. or your words uh, coming from like an emotional state or a thoughtful state is uh, that's something I'm actually in the middle of writing right now. Oh, so really? that'll be, and it doesn't, it's not like I come to like conclusions that are like foregone and whatnot. Yeah. It's like they're open questions. I'd be interested like, to read about yeah, that. So I'm not quite done with it yet, but okay. uh, we'll see. Very cool. Very cool. All right. I'm thinking big takeaways unless you got anything else you want to talk about this. I can't remember. Did I get to both of my Stephen King things? On writing, yes, I got to one which was like the author that had the, the yeah the super yeah. interesting. What was your other thing? The other one was oh, it was it was about the the place like oh yeah carving your, out a your place in your place. mind for that creative thing to to come and do its work yeah and it's not like you can just force this person to be there all the time that creative spark energy motivation whatever you want to call it yeah that place is something that you have to like tailor for that creative part of yourself. And then when that part shows up, be ready and use it. Yeah. I think that's what his, his main point was, I guess I probably didn't say it in his uh, sophisticated language as he did, but, um, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. Um, I I think that's all, I think that's everything that was on my mind about that. Anyway, I think it's important to note that the motivation we were talking about a lot in this episode was motivation to do like creative work. Yes. Um, which like, I think we both consider education, creative work also. And that's why I would definitely consider it that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm actually working on a video right now called teaching is art. Not done with that yet. It's an idea. Um, but this wasn't all about motivation to just do nitty gritty things. Yes. It was bigger, more than that. Um, motivation to do that comes uh, you just kind of got to do it. You got to get through it. Yeah. Um. You're not always going to be in the job you want to be in. You kind of nope. just have to work jobs to make money to get you to the next place, or you just got to do the assignment to get through it to get through the class. And you're going to learn something. We've talked about that before. And there's always an opportunity to, if you look for it. Yeah. Just write down what you have to do. Cross it off. Get your hit of dopamine. Boom. Motivation. Biological. I wanted to sneak influence. it in just once. You did. <laughs> You're a sneaker inner. Right. That's what I am. <laughs> All right. Big takeaways from here, oh, John. Man. What do you so think? So one that I thought was interesting that we talked about a little earlier in the podcast was that um, the idea of burnout. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that might come from being overly motivated, which mm-hmm. might be one of my struggles. One of my, the okay. things that I'm, I'm not good at is I'm, 
so motivated to get things done that it's hard to like let myself go on a tangent a little bit and like unwind from the things that have been kind of dragging me down okay so like overworking yourself i don't i I think being motivated is good it's great but sometimes it's good to not be that Mm -hmm. so sometimes saying i'm not motivated right now i'm gonna take this time to recharge yeah and like because getting tons of work done is great but it like you know if if you're so motivated that it's like affecting your health it's affecting like the people around you it's Mm -hmm. affecting like the way you interact with others it's just i don't know i think there there's a line on the other side too it's like a spectrum like you got to be you got to find some sort of balance between those things because uh both of the extremes have have consequences and they're different but they're still they're still bad in their own ways. Yeah, so definitely, that was, uh, I guess, one of the takeaways for me. Nice, nice. Uh, takeaway for me. Sorry to jump in here. No, uh, don't. Uh, your Stephen King thing. Or do? I, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Please do. <laughs> All right. Yes. Thank you. Uh, what You're you, welcome. What you mentioned about Stephen King, especially uh, the "I'm motivated every day at nine. Um, I think that's very interesting. And for me, uh, honestly, creative work usually flows so much easier at a later time in the day usually not in the early hours do i think oh i want to make something i'm just going to let my brain go and this is going to come together it's usually at like 11 p.m and later where i'm Mm -hmm. like just going off and like i can figure out how things are working together but yeah so uh getting that motivation to just do it right away in the morning and like we talked about this in scheduling and such Mm -hmm. um about how just getting up early and doing things right away is going to help and like i'm noticing a difference already so I'm excited to see where that goes and yeah. then see how my mind uh, hopefully continues to be motivated to be creative within yeah. early hours even. Yep. Yeah. So we had a topic for the end of this, didn't we not? I think we talked about having a topic for the end of this and then you kind of walked away because you had to go do something. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. That's Duty important. called, I guess. And- it happens. Yeah. I understand. All right. But. Well, forgiveness. That's a good thing. Yeah. All right. So do you want to pick a topic now? Well, let's do it off camera. Yeah. Let's, we don't even have a camera over here. Well, well. It's over on the table. Okay. Well, we're still off camera then. Okay. Well, off well, mic. I have been beaten on a technicality. <laughs> it doesn't happen often for me. <laughs> uh, the winning part. Life's not about winning and losing. <laughs> wow. This is okay. No, it's not. Okay. I think let's wrap it up and next week will yeah, be a we'll surprise. Yeah, we'll wrap it again. up uh, for motivation. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, I'll shamelessly plug my Instagram again at jwitty. I'll shamelessly not plug, plug my Instagram. It's his name, just in case if you're wondering. You, I'm, okay, you just unshamelessly. Well, you didn't do promoted. it. I did it. Okay, why did you do that? Because I like you, man. You're a good person. I think people should know more I about you. I don't even like use Instagram right now. Oh, well, I'm okay. You're on mine. If you want to see John, look at my Instagram. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's well, great. thank you for listening today on Motivation. We will be back next time. Actually, maybe one last thing before we go is that yeah. this podcast is going to be released uh, very late on Tuesday night. Correct. A day late because there was some weather that had prevented John from getting back here yeah. uh, for our usual recording time. So this one's late. We're going to be recording tomorrow as well. Tomorrow um, being uh, Wednesday. Wednesday, and then release another one on Thursday. So we'll so, be right back on schedule after that. Hopefully. Yes. 
stay motivated, right? Exactly. But not too much. Exactly. (laughs) All right. This has been John. And John. Thanks for listening. Peace.